You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Coming to you from Classic City, the capital of the Bulldog Nation, it's time for another edition of the podcast designed for the most die-hard Georgia fans in the country. Here are your hosts, Tyler and Curtis. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another edition of the Glory UGA Podcast. I'm Tyler, and back with me today for another Mailbag Monday edition of the podcast is my co-host, Curtis. I do want to say this at the outset before we move on. I've had more than a few people reach out and ask about Charlie and why she hasn't been on the show the past couple of weeks. And I promise you, all is well and good with Charlie. We're just giving her some time off from the show during the summer. Now that uh, the COVID restrictions are loosening up around the country and the weather's getting nice, people are going out, they're traveling. Charlie is going to be doing a good bit of traveling of her own over the summer, and that just happens to kind of coincide with Curtis getting a few months off from law school over the summer, which means his time constraints are loosening up, and he's able to be on the show more than he was during the past couple of months. So, yes, I promise, Charlie is good. She's just out there living her best life, man, and she'll she'll definitely be on a couple of times over the summer. She's not going to just completely disappear. When she's in town, we'll definitely have her on, but it just won't be as regular because she's just got a lot of things going on this summer. She'll be here. She'll be there. She'll be a little bit everywhere. But then once football season hits, which, I mean, guys, like I don't want to speak too soon, but like it's not that far away. We're almost in June here. We're just a couple of months away. We're hitting those summer months. The summer months are brutal. They are brutal. They can certainly be interminable as we get closer and closer to the college football season, but we're getting close. But once the football season does officially get back, she's going to be back hosting our picks and mailbag episodes each and every week. So just wanted to put some of your minds at ease because we have gotten quite a few questions on Twitter and uh, an email asking where in the world is Charlie. So I just want to give you guys a little bit of an update there. But all right, we've got a great batch of questions to get to today. Actually, a nice variety of questions today, too. We've got some football team stuff. We've got some football recruiting questions, some gambling, some Georgia baseball, even some Georgia track and field to talk about today, which I think has to be a first for us. So let's go ahead and dive right in. And Curtis, we're going to start with a question that ostensibly is about the report that came out late last week, maybe over the weekend. I think maybe Friday, actually, is when I first saw this. Petros Kiprianu, our track and field coach, our national championship winning track and field coach, will be leaving Georgia at the conclusion of this track and field season, which ends at about a month after the national outdoor championships in Eugene in a couple of weeks. He hasn't made any official announcement. He was, he was, I think, 
there were a couple of different outlets that reached out to him, but he deferred comment to our athletic department and Josh Brooks and the athletic department essentially are commenting. So there's nothing official official, but we do know what we do know is that his contract does expire June 30th. And he allegedly told the team at the SEC championships in college station last week that he won't be returning after this season. So it looks like, I mean, and this is nothing new. Like if you living in Athens and even if you aren't around Athens, you might have heard some of these whispers. I've certainly heard them in and around Athens. I, I've, I know someone who's, I would say, really close to this situation. And um, I, I try to get a little bit about this here and there. So I've certainly heard this rumor. I wanted to not believe it. I wanted to believe that our third department would kind of step up and make this right and fair way to keep him. But it doesn't look like it's trending that way right now. And this is a blow. I think it has to be a blow because he led both of our track teams men's and women's their first ever national titles back in 2018 and he has been signing elite level prospect after elite level prospect since that point i mean types of prospects that we haven't really ever signed at least not this consistently before guys like matthew bowling right but yeah. i i think this question yeah ostensibly again it's about track and field but i think it actually speaks to a much larger issue so let me actually just first read the question let's start there right so this question is from lee thank you lee this is a great question man and Lee asked, uh, letting one of the best track coaches in the country just walk away because we refuse to invest in his sport is a complete embarrassment. So that part's just a statement. It's a complete embarrassment, according to Lee. We used to hear for years from Greg McGarry that the athletic department expected all of our programs to be competing for championships. And he's right. We did always hear that from McGarry. But now, can anyone really say that we are committed to excellence as an athletic program. And this is the part of the question here. That last part is the part that I really, I, I like this. I mean, it's a great question in general. The entire question is good. But this last part, I think, takes it to another level because this is a bigger conversation. I, and I think this whole Petro situation is part of a bigger conversation within the University of Georgia Athletic Department. And it's what Lee was alluding to at the end there. Can we really say that we are committed to excellence as an entire athletic program. Curtis, I'm going to let you take it from the top here. What do you think, man? I don't think we are. I think outside of football, we're just do we we're just going through the motions when you really get down to it. Um I mean, look at tennis. We have a top-notch tennis program, but it took us not being awarded the national champion or you know, the the final the four, whatever yeah. it is, the final series in a 5-year span for them to finally decide, "Hey, let's go out and add to the indoor facility." Like they're they're never ahead of the curve. They're always trying to catch up with everyone. And, and I think that's a big problem, especially when you look throughout the SEC, especially in this indoor tournaments. Um, when it comes to track and field, especially, like, all these places have great indoor facilities, and all we have is an outdoor facility, which is nothing special. Um, we're, we're cutting in more and more into that facility to where it's almost – it's barely even there now because football's taking over so much space, which – and I don't have a problem with football taking up so much space because it is our, our – our obviously, our pride and joy. It's our number one priority in our athletic department. But it doesn't mean that we have to completely disrespect track and field, especially well, I when. I feel like in general, we've disrespected every sport. I mean, baseball has, for uh, indoor hitting facility still has to go to the indoor football facility to have batting cages to hit in. I mean, yeah. our facilities up and down the, the program are pretty substandard outside of football. All right. Well, let's take a look at, uh, let's go down the list of programs here and let's just. Let's just look at our. Do you think we're on par, above, or below your average SEC program? So let's say football. 
I bet clearly we're, we're we're up there, right? Like we're I don't say we have the best facilities in the SEC, but we're up at the top, right? Is that fair to yeah, say? Yeah, no question about it, especially yeah. with the new facility opening. Right, and that but that's only a recent thing, to be honest with you. Like it's been the last I guess for the longest time here. we were behind. I mean, we didn't have yeah. an indoor facility. Like that's another thing. Like yeah. how long it should have taken that long. Yeah, we, we allowed teams to negatively recruit against us forever and ever about the indoor facility until we finally – Well, we're, I don't know if we were the – I can't remember if we were the very last team in the SEC. I think we were the last team in the SEC to get an indoor, some version of an indoor. If we weren't the last, we were one of the last teams, which should never – like those words should never be uttered in reference to the University of Georgia and our football program. We were one of the last programs to do something like that from a facility standpoint and giving our program the resources it needs to succeed at the level we want to succeed. That, those words should never be uttered in regards – to Georgia football. It should just never happen. So football, I would say now, yes. Always, probably, no. I would say no, go back, you know, 10, 15, 20 years. But right now, yes. Baseball, would you put us at the top, middle, bottom of the SEC? Bottom of the SEC? Yeah, I mean, if any of you have been to other other campuses around the SEC. I mean, I get so jealous have. all the time. Even Ole Miss doesn't have the nice stadium, but the things they do with the, fa- the students in the right field, bleachers, just all the things they offer that we don't. Even Mississippi State doesn't have a super nice facility, but they do more to have fan interactions. Like, we're they just have a cool that. setup there. Mississippi State has like condos, like, like back of the left field wall there. You can, like, and they, make and a, they have like, they have, a spectacle. Like, the, yeah, they have students that can grill out. Like, they, they, it's just a joke now. I will say, like, though, in, in, I don't want to say defense of our athletic of our athletic department when it comes to baseball. Like when you look at Ole Miss and Arkansas, and Mississippi State, they also don't have professional baseball teams an hour and a half or so away from campus. Yeah, so, but the field, like we are so like they either don't won't move it, or you're on in all honesty gonna have to take away some parking spots and put something out there in left field. Yeah, but there's a part. I mean, of, and and well, I like I mentioned, saying, we don't even have we don't even have batting cages really that we have to go use the indoor football facility for them to take indoor batting practice. Like, and that's we did do some, and I'm, you can't see this, but this is air quotes up, upgrades to the facility a couple years back. But it was little. It really was like putting lipstick on a pig. Like we 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 redid you know the locker rooms and we did the coaches' offices and things like that. But really, very little of the actual stadium itself. You're right. The batting cages are still a problem. It, it's if you've been to other SEC campuses, guys, and you've seen their baseball facilities, you would understand. And I, I think a lot of you have. Our baseball facility is at the. It's if it's not the very bottom, it's very close to the bottom there. I mean, Alabama's built a nice new one. Auburn's got a nice place, a nicer place. Um, Arkansas's place is fantastic. LSU's had a good place for a while. South Carolina's is nice. Kentucky just built a new one, Kentucky Proud Park. I was up there in Lexington for the football game this past year. Got a chance to check that out for the first time. And uh, it is really nice. It's nice up there in Lexington. It's close to the football stadium. They used to have theirs out there away from campus. Now it's on campus. I think we've let ourselves fall to like the very bottom of the SEC. Florida just updated their their facility when it comes to baseball facilities. I think, yeah, that would be the bottom. Um, let's say, what about tennis? Or you mentioned tennis. Where would you put us for tennis? Um, at the top, but still lacking indoor. We're at the – our outdoor facility is – the best in – I don't know. I, I can't say the countries. I haven't seen all those places out west like the USC, UCLA. It's, better in, it's the best in the southeast even with yeah. including the ACC into that. But the, the indoor The outdoor just, was. Yeah, the indoor uh, Yeah, the outdoor up. is. I'll say this. Like, we just had to redo the grandstand because it basically wasn't ADA compliant. Like we, we had – like, and we – I'm glad they did it, but it was almost like our hand was forced there to do that. And so the grandstands are really nice now. The lower level has all seatbacks. Fantastic. Amazing. Um, definitely have one of the best, if not the best in the country. 
in terms of outdoor facilities, our, our locker rooms for the players, the clubhouse, all that, that's really nice. But the indoor facility hasn't changed in the 1970s. It's an absolute joke. We have four courts in there. Like South Carolina is getting ready to build a brand new indoor facility. And South Carolina's gotten really good in tennis. Oh, is it it's just a coincidence they're actually investing in their program? Huh, huh. We don't want to let these other programs around us catch up. We've got to stay ahead of the curve. We are the we are a tennis blue blood, but we do not want to let these other programs catch up. South Carolina's catching up. Uh, Tennessee's starting to catch up. Florida's right. I mean, Florida just won the men's national championship. They're, I mean, they're right there now. Uh, and it, it just it's a source of frustration for me. You guys know I'm a tennis guy. And uh, to see this, these incredibly proud men's and women's tennis programs have to sit there with such a dinosaur of an indoor facility when it cost us the NCAA tennis championship tournament here in Athens, that's a problem. That cannot be allowed to happen. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think we're still at the top in terms of outdoor, indoor. Like, not everyone has an indoor facility, so, like, at least we have one. But we are a – guys, I know a lot of you just don't pay attention as much to tennis, but we are a tennis blue blood, and we should never let that happen to a pro, to the two programs that we have here in Athens with, with the men's and women's tennis program. It should never happen. Um, basketball, where would you put us now? Uh, for par for the SEC, I guess. Like, you know, I'm not a big Stegman fan, but it's not, like, the reason we're not recruiting truly. I think Stegman is really I, – I think Stegman is fine. I don't have an issue with Stegman now. For a long time, I did. It was it was at the bottom of the list in the SEC – but I think we, when you got the center hanging scoreboard, we've done some nice interior updates. Uh, the exterior has been renovated. I think Stegman, I don't, it's not the nicest basketball facility in the country, but it's it's nice. It's much better than it used to be. I think some people stick around and just kind of hang on to what Stegman used to be. And it's not the same way. We have invested some money into that program and into that facility, and it's it's nice. It's it's nice enough now. We have uh, now. I will say we do have when it was built. Our training facility for the basketball program, I guess gymnastics uses it too, like our locker rooms and where they have the, the courts and all that stuff. That was top of the line, but that was back when I was in college, guys. I remember vividly, I was a mid-year graduate. I graduated early, graduated in three and a half years. And so I was graduating in December. And, I, and so my ceremony, my graduation deal was in Stegman. And I remember lining up before we went into Stegman. We were in the it was at that time the new basketball practice facility. It was really really nice, but that was back in 2007. And other teams have called now. Still nice, nice enough, but we've got to continue to build on that. Uh, let's see what else we're we missing here. So we get to the big ones, um, track and field. I mean, it's it's, it's a bottom, below right? average because we don't even have an indoor facility. Yeah, I mean, in swimming, I mean, Ramsey, it's nice enough. Swimming, it's nice. You know, we got a nice facility there. With Ramsey, um, softball out in South Millage. I think softball's on par because, like, if you look, watch, especially you know, a lot going on right now, it's about par for the course of what you see when it comes to softball. Yeah, softball. I mean, it's nice enough out there in South Millage. It has its own space out there. Parking is a plenty. It's a nice little place. Uh, what about golf? Now I know we have the we have the golf course, but in terms of like golf facilities, clubhouses, and the like that would attract top talent. Um, it's hard to truly tell on that one. Um. Well, forever, I, I like we wanted to, like Hack was trying to get the updated clubhouse, and we kept, I don't say dropping the ball, but we kept pushing it back and pushing it back. He essentially got the money raised, and we still kept pushing it back and pushing it back. It basically took a bunch of our former players getting on social media and basically calling out our athletic department, like, what's going on? Why can't we get this done? And that's kind of par for the course, no pun intended there. When it comes to our athletic department, see, and that—that's that, my and problem. That's, we, we, especially you saw it under McGarity and, and your Josh Brooks. You hope he will make a change, but right now you haven't seen anything that's really make, encouraging you. 
but it's more just lip service. That like that's what you get from our athletic departments. You know, they want to be holier than art thou and look down or just you know with that the way they treat things. But the fact of the matter is, their their actions are speaking a lot louder than their lack of their words. Holier than art thou. I'd never heard it put that way, but I love it. I love it. I'm I mean, that's the it. way that you get yeah. that feel from McGarry. Like, oh, we all expect to compete for change. Like the way he carries himself and the way he, you know, just carries himself and the way he talks about things. Um, like, you know, he was just the man, and yet, yeah, we took. A oh, step I, I expect all of our. I expect all of our programs to be competing for championships, but it's okay. I'll let Mark Fox stay for nine years and go to two NCAA tournaments and never sniff an SEC title. Yeah, I'll fight coaches that want to improve facilities. Yeah, we'll let we'll let the, the, the like poster boys of mediocrity like Mark Fox the ground for nine years, but Petrus Kiprianu, I'm sorry, man. Like, nah, we're just gonna we're gonna basically sh- like not show you the door, but not give you any reason to stay. And it just stuff like that is frustrating. Um, but I do like there are there's another side to this though, Curtis. I do want to look at the other side here. Uh, let me just ask you this. So the question, going back to the question from Lee, said. Can anyone say that we are committed to excellence as an athletic program? But let me ask you this, Kurt. How do you define committed to excellence as an athletic department? To me, it is allow keeping your teams in a position to compete, staying up with the rest of the team so you're not getting passed by and your team's suffering as a result. I would say it's giving them – I like that. I, for me, it, I would it's say almost like – it's like, it's like giving someone the tools to do what they need to do. Bingo. That's exactly what realistically we are not doing that. I mean, it's excuse after excuse after excuse. And now COVID, I understand, but it's just another part of this. We're just wait, but in general, we're way too reactionary instead of proactive. And that's always been a problem with this athletic department. You're like reading straight off my notes. You're exactly right. Yeah. I mean, COVID certainly did not help things here, trying to get some more facilities done for for tennis and for and for track and field, all those things. But th- like, if this is the first time we're talking about this, I I could maybe understand. Say, sure, yeah, it's a COVID thing. Like, we'll chalk it up to that. But this is nothing new for our program. You said uh, exactly. I, believe, right. I, believe I have the, the same words in my notes here. Well, we I believe are tennis reactive was and never proactive. Tennis was announced what three or four years ago that we weren't getting it anymore. Oh, yeah, like I have it on pretty good authority that Manny was essentially promised my my McGarity years ago that we were going to get all those facilities done, and then just kept getting pushed back and pushed back and pushed back and pushed back. And we still are sitting here in 2021 and no facilities or no, no, no new indoor courts. It's, 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 a, it's an absolute joke guys. I mean, those indoor, I'm, I'm glad we have no facilities. Sure. It's great, but our tennis programs deserve better. And if we want to maintain our status as tennis blue butts and get the NCAA tennis championship back here in Athens on a relatively consistent basis, We've got to invest in those kind of things. And I like your definition of what you said about committed excellence at the end there. To me, what it means is you are giving all of your programs the resources they need to succeed at the highest level. I will add this, though. Give them the resources that they need within your means. Because th- this is the other aspect of this, Curtis. Yes, we all want our pro- all of our programs to be winning at a national championship level. But we have finite resources. Okay, We don't have an unlimited bankroll. We, there are some limitations to the money that we have on hand to be able to spend, all right? So with track and field, I understand Petros, this is his sport, and he's brought national championships, multiple national championships, elite talent to this program, and he hasn't seen kind of the commiserate investment in his program. I understand his level of frustration, especially when he is – going to be in high demand, basically can almost name his job wherever he wants in this country. 
I understand his frustration, but if you're the athletic director, you have a limited number of resources and you have all these programs and you've got to establish some sort of pecking order, a hierarchy. And then you hate to do that, but you can't give every program everything they want. Because every coach of every program wants more and more and more. You can't give them everything they want whenever they want it. So if you're looking at this, Curtis, like what would you be willing to sacrifice to move track facilities up the list? Well, here's the first thing in my argument is, first off, track should have been gone. The fact of the matter is they should have just torn down what we have and committed that to football, made it practice fields, and moved track up to millage. They have track gains no advantage by staying where they are right now. So when we are starting all this construction on Buttsmere and with all the football upgrades, that was the time to make a move. Yeah. We need a master plan. I and maybe there is one under lock and key. It's that's top secret that we don't know. And, see, and, and that's the there's thing. There's no like, public master plan. Yeah, like with all the stuff you're talking about, how we're infringing more and more on track. Well, th- we should have moved them at that time and tore it down, and that way we still have grass fields out there. Yeah. No, that that and that that's something that you and I talked about when they first started doing this. Is like, why are we not moving because track out our there? Track, and just take over. Our, like. The whole idea of the track being open to the public, first off, okay, cool, but realistically, it needed to be moved to Millage because you don't. It's not like track needs to be on campus for students to come. No, that's really not what it. It doesn't need to be there. Yeah. No, I totally, I do totally agree with that. I just like I want to defend the athletic department to some degree here and say, especially Josh Brooks. So Josh Brooks, since he's the AD right now, he's getting a lot of the pushback on this. Oh, I mean, I, I agree. Don't put it on him. The fact of the matter is, I think what people are. Up- we're especially giving him some pushback is the fact that it's just pure, pure silence. You know, the radio has gone silent. Well, uh, partly that might be, but he's maybe he's still trying to do some last second negotiations behind the scenes. He doesn't want to like back himself into a corner. Potentially that could be what's going on. But I'm here. thinking, but I'm talking about even in general of like tennis and all these things, like there's no, nothing being discussed. Openly, like in public. Well, yeah. I just think the the silence, like we've been, yeah. pro- like you said, we've been promised things forever, and then the continued silence does not help encouragement at all. Even when Josh Brook was was announced or anything, I don't, I don't think he gave a speech or anything like that. But there was nothing to say, like, "Hey, we're going to step it up." There was nothing that really instilled the idea that the status quo was actually going to change. Yeah, and yeah, all that's true, man. You're exactly right. But I, I go back to this. I think there is, and a Josh clear Brooks is also is part of the old regime too. I mean. What do we have? Yeah, I think I I blame like if it, if blame goes or I, there's plenty of blame to go around here. Petros does end up walking, which I think he will. But McGarry's got to be the top of that list, right? Oh, this I mean I agree, but him. it's just one of those things though too. Like until Josh Brooks makes a change, I have no faith in him truly deep down because he was part of the old regime and it's just more of the same until he does something different. He was part of the old regime, but he certainly wasn't like a decision maker when it came to like what facilities going to get greenlit and what facilities. Well, I not agree, but greenlit. I just think that overall the mindset until you show something different we have no reason to believe that yes, there are absolutely that the, totally the commitment is going to be made I mean, but we like we are investing like our athletic department has invested at at a rate that we haven't really before but it's basically all been in one sport for the most part right it's been primarily in football yeah and that's why I go back, like, there's a hierarchy of importance here football's at all of our revenue sports that's all football basketball but see, baseball but as we saw with the indoor facility football can go out and raise their own money for it 
That's that's an outstanding point. That's one thing that I've talked about too. Is people like that's my I've, that's I've my big argument. We're trying to get money to football. Like, doesn't, well, football doesn't need the athletic department's revenue really to build stuff because they can go out on their. I mean, own they do. They do people. need some of it. They they but, can raise more on their well, own. They need some, yes, but over. they don't need a full finding. Like the whole excuse of why we didn't build the indoor facility forever. Well, we didn't have the money when in the end we didn't even need it. Yeah. No, that's exactly right. And I just like our athletic department, the way it operates sometimes. Look, I know that like. I understand the, the idea behind having a reserve fund. I'm no finance major, but I understand like credit and interest rates and all that. And you want to have that reserve fund there because it helps with all that stuff. I understand that. And it certainly helped out with a once in a lifetime pandemic, right? It certainly helped us out there. But do you think in, in some sense, like we just sit on too much of our money rather than actually using it for what it's raised for, which is actually helping these programs compete at the highest level? Well, just like you mentioned with golf, that's a prime example. The money was raised, and why the heck had we not moved on it? I have no answers for that. I don't. I don't have answers. And, and that. that that right there is a prime example of a a lack of commitment. That I know. is all lip service. Yeah, and so I, I was going back to Lee's question: like, are we committed to excellence as an athletic program? I would say partly. I would say with some programs, yes. With football, definitely. We're all in with football. But I can't say up and down the athletic department right now, every program that we are committed to excellence, like I, like softball, for example. I know like Lou Chamber Harris has done a great job for a long time. I think she, she's been the only coach we've ever had. And and look, we just – I know this is the wrong time to talk about this as we just got to the Super Regional. We just won the Athletic I think Regional. the game's we passing did. her by. Or I'm just saying like there's so many other programs in the SEC that are actually winning national titles. Alabama's right? an absolute powerhouse. Right. Florida's a exactly. powerhouse. Arkansas, right. like we're really fine bad. in softball. We're not bad in softball, but like we're not elite. And I want to be. There's no reason we're not elite. Like we need to be. Like we're just and like we're letting it go by because like oh yeah, we're we're good enough. We're pretty good. Like we'll we go to the College World Series every you know you know six well, seven even, years or whatever. Look at no, baseball. We need to be a powerhouse. Look at baseball. If you go and look at like some of the top players in the state of Georgia year in year out in baseball, uh, they're not going to Georgia. They're going to Vanderbilt and other places. Well, then that's another point I have here, Curtis. This is another maybe a little bit of a defense to the athletic department. It's like, look, going back to the, the idea of there's a hierarchy of importance. You don't have money to spend whatever you want in every program. And like, every athletic department has like their sport, right? Like you mentioned Vanderbilt. Baseball, they invest in baseball in a way that they don't invest in their other sports. I mean, you, we've all seen their football facility. Their basketball facility is an absolute disaster. Think Stegman's bad. That thing, oh my God, it's from like 1941. And then take like Duke and basketball. We know what Duke is in college basketball, they're a powerhouse and they invest a ton of money in their basketball program, far more than they invest in football programs. Anybody dr- driven past their football stadium in Durham, North Carolina, anyone ever actually taken in Wallace Wade Stadium, it's an absolute dumpster. There are many high schools in this country that have better football stadiums than what Duke has. So they just don't pour the money into it because it's not a priority for them. Kentucky with basketball, same thing. Just football happens to be our sport there, Kurt. So, like, is there, do you think there's anything to that? I mean, even though look at Vandy's baseball facilities, they're not like the greatest thing I've ever seen in my life either. That's fair. If, yeah, they're they're not the greatest, but they're 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 I, I would say better than ours, right? I think they're attainable for what we have. Yeah. I agree. I agree. But all right, so let's wrap this up. we got a couple, a couple other questions to get to. I think you and I are both in agreement here. Can we just say that, yes, we're committed like halfway to excellence, like in certain sports, but certainly not up and down. It's like one of those where you have your toe in the water, but you're not you're afraid to get fully into the water. Yeah, yeah. I think that's a good way to put it. And this, this whole issue with Petros is um, 
it's certainly revealing on a, on a deeper level than just track and field. I think it's, it's certainly revealing about kind of how our athletic department operates in general and kind of where our commitment is in terms of giving these programs what they need to succeed at the highest level. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. All right, let's move on here, Curtis. We got another um, off. I don't say off the wall question. It's just kind of off the beaten path question because it's normally football stuff. We got a baseball question here. We are now entering the postseason of college baseball. The SEC tournament starts on Tuesday. The Diamond Dogs are going to face LSU in the eight nine matchup. I think it's five thirty on Tuesday afternoon. And Ron asks, "It looks like the Diamond Dogs are going to fall short of the postseason. Did Josh Brooks extend Scott Strickland too soon?" Kurt, what do you think, man? Um, I will say I think baseball has been really hit hard by the injury bug. I mean, you got to think ending at this point in the season, two out of our three weekend pitchers are out. Um, they're done for. Four of our what we project as our top five pitchers coming this season are out. Yeah, most um, of them. For, the last most of them for the entire season. The last three, three of them at least. Two of our three starters, I believe, have been freshmen. Like we're we're relying on a lot of young guys, especially in the pitching staff, and then um, in the field. I mean, you're also relying on a lot of young guys also like yeah, we we start pretty much every game we start multiple true freshmen yeah like we're really young um and i that's the thing like we're we don't have the experience with the talent like these other programs do and i, I but and the thing is though like i'm looking at the experience some of these young pitchers are getting you're sitting here thinking okay next year people like Jaden woods i believe his name um liam sullivan yeah. Those guys yeah. are going to be ready to go next year on a weekend starters. And then hopefully John Park, Cannon comes back. Yeah. Parks Harbor, uh, Corey Collins. You have a lot of uh, Gonzalez at catcher. Like you have a lot of young guys that are good at getting a lot of important reps. Yeah. This season was always going to be a transition year. Like, did we extend Scott Strickland too soon? My answer to that is just simply no. Uh, guys, he put together three straight seasons. Like I know last year I mean, was cut short because of COVID, but we were one of the, we were a top three team in the country last year. Like that was a legitimate contender for not well, just we all. Think we lost Emerson. Win. We lost Emerson Hancock, yep. Cole Wilcox, or Emerson Hancock, Cole Wilcox, Tucker Bradley, yep. um, Cam Shepard. Like think of all yep. the guys we lost. That was like I said, not only a potential College World Series team. That was a potential College World Series championship team potentially. And then we were national seeds the two years before that. Now, I know the knock-on strickland is that we haven't gotten out of the regional yet. I get that. I'm frustrated by that, too. But the fact is, we were essentially going to be a national seed three straight years. 
And then this year, you lose all those guys coming off a COVID year. You have a lot of young players. This was always going to be a transition year. And I've seen plenty. Honestly, I think it's a minor miracle that we are in position to even potentially make the postseason right now if you factor in all the injuries that we've dealt with, not just a pitcher, but guys like – Connor uh, Connor Tate, who's been our best hitter, one of the best hitters in the SEC, he's been out pretty much the last week and a half, two weeks, missed the, pretty much the entire uh, Ole Miss series. I think he did miss the entire Ole Miss series. So all these things are kind of conspiring against us right now. We've been doing a lot of late injuries when we really needed to be at our best, and just it hasn't really happened. But right now we're sitting at 30-23 and 23 overall, 13-17 and 17 in the SEC. Our RPIs were 41 in the country, 12th best strength of schedule in the country this match against LSU on Tuesday in the SEC tournament this might be a play-in game I think the SEC I I feel from everything I'm reading and everything I'm hearing sounds like eight teams should get in if we win this game hopefully that would put us as the eighth team I think we have a shot to be a three or four seed in a regional somewhere it's not going to host a regional certainly not we need to win this game as LSU do you see any way we make the tournament if we lose LSU on Tuesday Kurt absolutely not um you know that, that we might need two wins but if we don't if we don't be LSU in the first round it's not happening yeah it's not happening but no like, like honestly I with all the injuries we've dealt with the COVID issues losing all the guys that we lost off of last year's team I think Scott Strickland and staff have done a really good job to even have us in this position. I mean, you got to think the first month of the season, you didn't even have Ryan Webb or John Cannon. Yeah, I mean, yeah, John Cannon coming off mono. Ryan Webb was dealing with COVID issues. Yeah, absolutely. So this has just been a, a – it was always going to be a transition year, but it's been even harder than it need that we expected it to be because of all the attrition, the injuries, the COVID, all that stuff. It's been tough. But, no, I don't, I don't think we extended him too soon. I really don't. All right, moving on here, Kirby, we got a question from Brett. Brett asks, looking at the football schedule in May, most would agree that Clemson and Florida are obviously the two toughest games on the schedule. But after those two games, which game do you think will be the next toughest game, the one that we better watch out for? What do you think, Kirk? I think he's right. Clemson and Florida the two games you look at here in May. But outside of those two games, which game could be the one that jumps up and bites us? I'm looking at Missouri. That's exactly what I had. Not Auburn? I thought you might no, say um, I mean, no. I think uh, Missouri, from especially what you saw last year, is going to return a lot of those guys. Um, you're two under Dinkowitz. Um, I think that's the team more so to Washington Auburn. I mean, Auburn's going to be running simple Mike Bobo that we all know. Even though Missouri's the home floor is on the road? Yeah. yeah. Um, I just don't believe that Auburn's going to be there to defensively. I think Missouri's the answer. I'm with you on this. I thought you would say Auburn. I think your average fan would say Auburn. I'm with you here. Good call, Missouri. Not only do I think they're going to be better than Auburn this year. I mean, Connor Basic was one of the best quarterbacks in the SEC that no one's talking about coming in this year. This guy's he's the real deal. I think he's going to put a big number for them this year. And Eli Drinkwitz, as his coach, Eli Drinkwitz can coach offense, guys. This guy is a really good coach. Um, then you got Tyler Beatty coming back, which they weren't sure he would come back at running back. He's kind of like their version of James Cook. He's a really dynamic player coming out of the backfield. They got a transfer from Ohio State. I think it's a Mookie Wilson, I want to say is his name, who is a, who's a receiver, is a dynamic type of guy, a former top 100 prospect coming out of high school. They got him as a grad transfer, or not grad, but just as a transfer out of the transfer portal. Missouri is a team to watch, guys. Defensively, they're losing some talent. They are, but I think they'll be okay. They do have some guys coming back, but offensively they're going to put up some points. And also, if you look at the schedule and where this game falls, Curtis, you know where this game falls? No. Right after Florida. So if you want to talk about trap game, potentially a trap game, also a talented team that has some firepower offensively, 
that could give you some issues if you're not ready to play. So I think Missouri is the answer here. I could see an argument for Auburn. I know Bo Nix, Tank Bigsby, you, you think nice one, two punch, but you guys know what I think about Bo Nix. I just, I don't know if Bo Nix is that kind of guy. I know Auburn fans have always wanted to think he was. I mean, I've been saying this since his first year here in, or his first year in college. After that Oregon game, start the season, he played terrible in that game. They, they ended up coming back and winning, and it kind of created this legend of Bo Nix, even though Bo Nix was not good. And I don't know if he can be a drop-back pro-style Mike Bobo-type quarterback. I know he wasn't great with Malzahn, but I honestly, I thought he was best when he was moving around and using his legs. And that's never been a kind of a Bobo thing that quarterbacks do under Mike Bobo. So we're going to find out with Auburn if, it's, if it was more of like a Gus Malzahn thing that he can't develop quarterbacks or if it was more of a Bo Nix thing. I have a hunch that was a little bit of both, but I certainly think Bo Nix was a part of this. Um, defensively, they were only 60th nat- last year in yards for play on defense. You bring in Derek Mason, but everything is so new. Their whole new coaching staff, everything's new. So, yeah, I think like, Auburn is not going to be – I don't know if it's going to be a cakewalk, but I, right now I would say Missouri with the talent they have coming back with their coaching staff now in year two and the fact that it falls after Florida in a potential trap game spot, I think Missouri would be the next toughest game of the schedule after Clemson and Florida. All right, moving on here, Kurt, we have another football question. This is a good one. I don't know if you saw this. I didn't see this. Uh, but Stevie asked, I don't know if you saw, but the South Point Casino in Vegas released some early season lines recently. The Georgia games they had lines for were the following. They had Georgia plus three and a half versus Clemson and Charlotte. Georgia minus four at Auburn. Georgia minus six in Jacksonville against Florida. And Georgia minus 21 at Georgia Tech to end the season. This is a cool question, Steve. I really like this, man. So Curtis, Stevie asked, if you could only pick one of those lines to mortgage your house on, which one would it be? Again, Georgia plus three and a half versus Clemson, minus four at Auburn, minus six in Jacksonville, minus 21 at Tech. Uh, I'm going to go with the Florida score. I think we got a little debt to settle. So you think if you're going to mortgage I mean, your I'd house? I'd go Auburn, honestly. Uh, yeah, I'm going Auburn. Four points, like right now. Four point favorite at Auburn. Four point, yeah. I mean, I'd go Auburn. I would. I have a hunch it could be Florida, but Auburn's the safest bet without a doubt. Yeah, I know that that you know it's in it's in Auburn, and like that can be a tough place to play. But man, we are significantly more talented than Auburn. Like if we only beat Auburn, if we lose to Auburn or only beat them by by four or less, then I don't know if we're going to be as good as as we want to be. I know it's a rivalry game. I get all that. But no way, man. We are significantly better than that team coming in this year. We should definitely win that game by double digits. We, we absolutely should. So that's the one. If I, like, I'm not mortgaging my house on anything. I'm, I, I, I just like, – you know, I don't have – I like to gamble. I don't do that, all right? I don't, I don't go that far. Right? Let's, let's gamble responsibly. But if I, if I had, a, if I had a, a wad of cash to put on one of these games, I'm putting on that Auburn game. I, I actually like all these games, to be honest with you. I like th- I, I like Georgia getting three and a half against Clemson. I like you know s- giving six against Florida. I even like giving twenty one against Tech. But yeah, if, if I had to pick one, I'm going with that game against Auburn. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N-Ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. 
Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N-Ads.com. All right, moving on here, Kirby. Might have time for one or two more questions. I got a recruiting question here, a football recruiting question. This comes from Andy. We appreciate the question, Andy. Andy says, I know he's a 2023 guy, so we have to wait a little while to get him on campus. But how good can Marcus Washington Jr. be when the 2023 rankings all come out? Where do you think he will be ranked? And this is a guy, Curtis, that he committed a couple weeks ago. We didn't talk about him on the show last week, but I definitely want to get to him here today. So what do you think? I, I know the rankings haven't all come out yet for the 2023 class, but where do you project Marcus Washington to be? Like, What kind of range do you see him falling in? I could see him in the top 100, top 150. I think the guy is long, which is a nice thing, especially the safety position. He seems fluid. He's very fast, and I think he's going to be a polished guy. Um, I definitely could see him up there. I think he's a clear top 100 guy. I think it's a matter of how high inside the top 100 does he go, to be honest. I mean, if you look at some of the numbers, this guy, is, he's a rising junior. He's already put up MVP camps the past couple months put up laser time, four four six forty 40-yard dash. You're right, he's, he's six foot right now, got good length. I think he's on record with a 10-7-ish, uh, somewhere in the 10-7 range as a 100-meter guy. Again, as a rising junior, this guy has got the physical profile. He's got the pedigree with his dad, being a former football player here back in my day, to be honest with you. Um, so I think he's a clear top 100-level talent. I think the question becomes, how high inside the top 100 does he go? But I think he's going to be really good. Do you think he projects as a safety right now? I do, yeah. I mean, we'll see. I think if he certainly could. I, when you're talking about a guy that's a, just a rising junior, he's got a couple of years before he gets on campus, his his body could grow and he could do different things. And it depends on where they play him. I think he's a guy that does have some position versatility. I think he could play safety. I also think he could play quarterback well, too. I think he's, from what I've seen from him on tape, I think he's got the hips to be able to do that. I think he's got the length to be able to do that. He's got the recovery speed, all those things. I think he might be in one of those situations where it's a matter of like need. Like where do we need him when he gets here on campus? But I think he has some position versatility. But it'll be interesting to see how he develops these next couple of years. But right now, as a young guy in high school, about halfway through his high school career, this is a guy that's at the physical profile to be certainly within the top 100 when those rankings come out for the 2023 class. All right, Kurt, we got time for one more question here. This one is from Glenn. Uh, this might be a quick one, but it's a good question. Appreciate it, Glenn. Glenn asks, who will be the player flying under the radar right now that will make a name for himself this season? And you can define that however you want to define that, making a name for himself, Curtis. So who are you looking at right now? It could be offense, defense. Who's going to make a name for himself that maybe your average casual Georgia fan might not know who he is right now? I think Quay Walker. I don't think – or maybe both of the Walkers, Trevon and Quay, both guys that you've gotten in there and they they at least know the name, but I don't think they appreciate what they may be able to do this year. I mean, Quay was a starter for – I don't know if he was a starter last year, but he played a, he played starter minutes at times in some games last year. So I think if you're watching closely, you know who he is. But you're right, maybe you don't know – like you don't appreciate how good this guy can actually be. I've talked about him before, I think, and I think you mentioned it too. I think he'd be a first-round talent. I think that's a good one. Trevon Walker, that's a good one too. I mean, he's going to be the guy at the five, right? Like we don't have a ton of bodies there. I mean, maybe Tremel Walthour behind him. We'll see who else kind of rises to the top during fall camp. But I think he's going to play a lot of snaps for his guy. Talk about position versatility. He's a guy that can play at the five, can slide inside situationally on third downs, wherever we need him to do, kind of rush the passer. He's a guy that we can do a lot of things. We can help our defense be very versatile. So good calls there. Oh, man. 
make a name for himself. It's just how do you define make a name for himself? There's a couple of guys that I think like your average fan like wouldn't even know is on the team. Like Ryan Davis is a guy that I don't like your average fan on the street might not even know who that guy is. But I think he's a guy that's going to work himself and has already worked himself in the inside linebacker rotation. Now he's not going to be a starter, but I think he's going to be in the rotation. I think he's going to play on third downs. He's got some versatility in his game as well. But I don't know if it'll be like a household tight name. I'm going to go back to the guy I said at the beginning of the year when we were talking, we were kind of recapping the 2022 recruiting class or the 2021 recruiting class. Brock Bowers. What about that name? I, I think that's a good one. Brock Bowers. I'm telling you guys, I mean, you guys saw him at GD. I think we just started to see like just a scratch in the surface of what we're going to do with Brock Bowers. I know we're all high on Darnell Washington. Obviously, we're high on Darnell Washington. I think people have a pretty good, like when you're that big and that freakish, like you're kind of a cult hero, people know who you are. I think Bowers is still the guy. If you're talking about, again, just average Georgia fan, I don't know if they're all that familiar with him as a true freshman coming in from Napa, California. Really didn't didn't play his senior season because obviously he's out in California with all the COVID stuff out there. I think this is a guy that is going to be a big time playmaker for us. And I'm not talking about in a couple of years. I'm talking about as early as this season, like game one. I think he'd be that kind of guy for us in tandem with Darnell Washington. Washington's not going anywhere. He's going to be a big time playmaker for us too. He's just a different kind of playmaker, does it a different way than what Brock Bowers does and what he can do. I think he gives us a different dimension from our, for our offense from that tight end position. And both those guys in there with 12 personnel groupings, oh my God, there's a lot of things Todd Munkin's going to be able to do with those two tight ends. And I think, I'm not. I'm going to say after week one, Georgia fans are going to know who Brock Bowers is. I'm going to go on a limb and say that right now. So that I guess that would be my answer. There's a couple guys we go with what you said with, with the Walkers is good too. But uh, I'm, I'm going to stick with Brock Bowers. That's my guy. I'm staying with him. But all right, guys, that does it for us today here on the Glory UGA podcast. You guys know we appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedules to listen to us and support the show each and every week. Thank you for that. I will be back later on this week for the third edition of our Scheme Theme Month that we've been running through the month of May. We actually might let it bleed over into June a little bit if we keep getting questions and the demand is high. We've gotten some really good feedback on those episodes. So if you enjoy those episodes, let us know on social media. You can hit us up on Twitter at glory underscore UGA. You can also email us glory UGA podcast at gmail.com. Let us know what you would like us to discuss in those episodes. We've got a, actually a pretty good list of things from listeners that, that we're going to be covering over the next couple of weeks, but definitely let us know if there's something that you haven't heard us talk about something you've always been curious about let us know and we'll definitely do our very best to try to work that in over the next couple of weeks and again if you're enjoying those episodes and you want more of them just let us know because if you don't like them that's okay too we'll just do something else we got plenty of things that we can discuss we're actually having to we're kind of in the situation now where we're having like cut ideas out because we just don't have enough time to run all of them We just want to make sure we're producing content that you guys enjoy, but the feedback so far has been really positive with the Scheme Theme Month. So just let us know. If you like it, we'll definitely keep doing the next couple of weeks into June and maybe even a little bit longer than that. We'll see. Whatever you guys want us to do, we'll definitely make it happen for you. And one last thing before we get out of here, just indulge me this massive shout out to Junior Meg Kowalski for becoming a tennis singles All-American today with an upset victory in the round of 32 of the NCAA singles tournament against number 16 ranked Katerina Kazarov from Furman. I guess you can call it an upset technically, but Meg's been so good her entire career. She's actually ranked 20th in the country coming into the tournament, but at least a little bit of an upset there. 
and she has cemented herself as an All-American. She faces the number three overall seed, Emma Navarro from Virginia tomorrow. So that's going to be another awesome match. And look, I'm not counting Meg out, guys. I'll never count Meg out. She's definitely the big underdog going into tomorrow's match. But some of these big hitters that play court one for teams, like Meg plays court three for us. Some of these big hitters like Emma Navarro, who Kat played a couple of weeks ago in the uh, in the Sweet 16, they get frustrated by Meg because Meg plays a different kind of game. She doesn't... She tries to not let them play their game, and that can really wear on some of those those players, like Katarina Kazarov today, that definitely wore on her. So Meg's, Meg's just a tough out, man, and Meg makes you work for everything. She does not let any point die. She goes all out for every single ball. I love watching her play, and I'm just so excited for her because she's worked for this. She's earned it, and she's just one damn good dog, and it's just awesome to have another All-American for the Georgia women's tennis team. But all right, guys, now we are officially out of here. For Curtis, I'm Tyler. Thanks for listening, and as always, go dogs. <laughs>